on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line. You're on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this sunny and beautiful Monday afternoon. Well, I'll tell you what, it may be sunny and it may be beautiful, but it is not a good day (laughs) in Auburn, Alabama, as the... The feeling around this town, around campus, around this football program, uh, it's about as bad as I have felt in a long, long time. And don't you worry, we are going to break it all down here on the show today, and we'd love to hear your thoughts as well. 334-321-1390. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Carter, I know that you have had your chance a little bit with after the game to get some of your feelings out and to get your opinion out there about this uh, embarrassing loss for Auburn at home against Penn State. We're going to get into everything, but outside of that, how was your weekend, man? How's it going? Weekend was was fine other than that, other than it felt like every sports team that I followed uh, and supported lost with the exception of the Braves. I mean, it was... It was rough. I mean, I'm pretty sure the uh, old fantasy team is going to take an L2. I mean, it's just everything that could go wrong in sports went wrong for, for me this weekend. Right. One of my fantasy teams did all right. The other <laughs> one just, uh, again, this is two weeks in a row that it just crapped out. It, it, I mean, just the whole team just decided to do terrible in fantasy. But I was just pulling up the our ESPN uh, SEC football challenge, and I went 11 of 12 on Saturday. The only game I lost was Auburn. I picked Auburn over Penn State, and that's the only one I lost. I picked all the other ones right. Yeah, isn't that interesting? But uh, on that note, the ESPN 106.7 SEC Football Challenge, uh, the winner of Week 3 – and in case you don't know what this is, it is the ESPN 106.7 SEC Football Challenge. You go to ESPNAU.com every single week. You can submit your picks for for all of the SEC teams that are in action that week. You pick the winner. Whoever picks the most games correctly, you win a prize from our four sponsors. It is the Orthopedic Clinic, Wickles Pickles, Johnny Brusco's, and uh, Buffalo Rock Pepsi. So those are the four sponsors. They're providing prizes all season long. And week three, the winner was Joe Giambrone from Auburn, Alabama. You have won the prize for week three. It's a prize pack from Wickles Pickles and a 12-pack of Pepsi. You got 12 out of 12 games correct. So uh, congratulations to Joe. You are the winner. Uh, You should have been contacted already, but just wanted to make that announcement here on the show. But it's not too late for you to enter every single week. The winner at the end of the season is going to win a free 50-inch 4K Ultra HD Smart TV. So make sure you enter that at ESPNAU.com every single week. It closes at Friday night before the games are played. So make sure that you go and do that. 
But yeah, I went 11-12 over the weekend. Not too bad. I had, uh, let's see, I had Ole Miss winning. I had Missouri winning, obviously. I did pick Vanderbilt to beat Northern Illinois. I know that you were not about it. I picked LSU. I don't remember doing that, but for some reason I did. I picked it on here. I didn't pick them on the show, but I picked them in the contest. So I'll tell you what, that, that game bothered me because uh, Jack and I were sitting here in the studio prepping for the show, and we, we, watched, we watched Mike Leach famous air raid coach twice in the first quarter on fourth and ones only have five his five offensive linemen in to block and run right up the gut into seven man and six man fronts where they just didn't have enough guys to block it and it's like throw the ball you you have numbers on the outside that's what you're known for and I just feel like if he just makes the right decision there that game goes totally differently you also have Will Rogers who is top three four quarterback in the league so I mean maybe throw the football a little bit but look I went 11 to 12 not too bad but uh, again we have a winner for week three so congratulations uh, to Joe Giambro and you are the winner of the week three SEC football challenge on ESPN 106.7 well Carter let's get into it we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 we're with you for the next two hours and I want to get into this, and I want to start out by giving uh, my two cents on this, and then, of okay. course, uh, we will uh, we'll go back and forth on this a little bit. In a game where we talked about on Friday, we talked about how there was a lot of pressure on this game. There was a lot of coverage on this game. It was 2.30 CBS. It was the orange out, supposedly the game of the week. Jo- Brian Harson's job was basically up for grabs in this game I said it I don't think it should have been but that's the level that it got to and with all of that being said 87,000 packed in Jordan-Hare Stadium including a hefty fan of Penn State right they traveled pretty well with all of that being said Auburn was ready to go Auburn was hyped up they started out playing pretty decent and then you just fall flat on your face and you get embarrassed in your home stadium against a Big Ten team that's middle of the pack in their own conference, I think. You get beat 41-12 to in Jordan-Hare Stadium, supposed to be the toughest place to play in college football, and by the start of the fourth quarter, you could throw a football in the stands and you'd have a better chance at hitting the bleachers than you would a person. Penn State came in and they dominated both sides of the football. And not just in the second half, not just in the third quarter, not just in the fourth quarter. They did it for all four quarters on Saturday. Penn State was the better team. They were better coached. They were better prepared. They played better. And overall, they're the better football program right now. And so what does this mean for Auburn and Brian Harson? It's not pretty. It's not good. And we just got done listening and reading quotes from his press conference about 10 minutes ago. And you can get that vibe from Brian Harson as well. You can get it from the fans. You can get it from him. And I bet that you can get that vibe from the players as well. 41-12 to in your home stadium trying to get revenge against a team that beat you last year? That's the best performance you've got against Penn State? I don't understand it. And there's so many question marks in this game, and we're going to get into them, but I just don't know how you get beat like that. This is the worst home loss for Auburn in a decade, since 2012, scoreboard-wise. But in my lifetime of 22 years, 
I've seen Auburn lose big games. I've seen Auburn get beat pretty bad at home. We've seen Alabama come in here and do it a couple times. But just getting dominated on all sides of the game in all four quarters from a game that was supposed to be competitive, I've never seen a loss like this from Auburn in this type of game at Jordan-Hare Stadium. I just have not seen it in my lifetime. Yeah, I mean, it was bad. It was really, really bad. I, I think that this staff and this the social media team everything just adding the extra fuel leading up to the hype everything the social media stuff trolling your own fans uh i still hate that move and i know people are very 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 frustrated with that now after the game but when you when your message to recruits when your message oh i didn't even mention recruiting yeah to everybody has been just watch this fall. Just watch. Just watch what we do. Well, biggest spot so far this year. The and we said coming in, it is the swing game on the schedule. It is, it is the game that is going to decide what this season is going to be. And I still believe that. And I think that we learned a lot on Saturday. You come out and lay the biggest egg that I've seen an Auburn team lay in a big spot. I can't recall the last time I came into a game where I expected an Auburn team to compete and get dominated like that. First half, it's really about red zone offenses. It really is. Yep. Second half, you just got punched in the mouth repeatedly and you never, never, ever fought back. But all I can say is, look, all this talk, all this talk about fourth and one mentality, all this talk about being a physical team, running the football, all of this, that's all well and good. But when you're saying just watch and then you show me that, that's all that is. It's, it's just talk. It's just talk. And the curtain's been pulled back. Just like in the Wizard of Oz, the curtain's pulled back. This guy right now leading your program, is he's not living up to the talk that he's putting forth. He's not living up to the persona that he is in the media. And he's showing. He's Go look at the quotes in the presser. He's cracking right now. You can you can see it with how he's acting, how he's handling himself. It's all in shambles right now, and I just don't know where you go from here. At SEC Media Days, I had a one-on-one with Brian Harson, and he gave me that exact quote. He looked me in the eyes and said, just watch us. Because I asked him, I said, what do you say to the haters and the doubters of you and this Auburn football program? And he looked me dead in the eye and said, just watch us. But yet, the entire country watched on Saturday – and we saw a 41-12 to domination from Penn State in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Let's head to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Matthew, you're on the line. Welcome in, man. Hey, guys. Um, a few points I want to make. Um, <clears throat> so, Auburn has had the most success in, in its history besides Pat Dye under Dustin Long. And we move on to him to get an upgrade supposedly an upgrade in Brian Harson because Brian Harson is a supposed builder when in when the matter of the fact is he's never built anything he's always inherited something um that's fair that's I very have fair. a another point I want to make so uh, it's kind of me just brainstorming thinking um so when we were looking for our ho- coach before we got Harson we were thinking about Kevin Steele and then there was a lot of backlash from the from the fans. Um, no, we don't want him. No, we don't want him. And then um, Hugh Freeze was was uh, leaked, and people were like, no, it's not, we're not, we're not ready for him. I'm just curious 
Do you think that the powers that be, the, the, the power brokers at Auburn, do you think they're kind of a congressional, um, they're a voter kind of for the the fan base at large, and they, they, they just have the influence and the resources to make the decisions, but they somewhat speak for the Auburn fan base as a whole? I think so. I mean, you've seen over the past couple of years, I mean, look at the, the, the coaching hire of Brian Harson and the process it took to get Gus Malzahn replaced. And, and Matthew, I do want to say that I think Gus Malzahn and Auburn, that, that relationship had, that had, had run its course. I think it was time for that to end. I think Malzahn was a good coach. I think he was good for Auburn. I think that was time to go. But when you look at the process of replacing him, it was a disaster, and you saw yeah. what happened in the offseason with Brian Hartson after he was hired, and it was them trying to get him out. And so, yeah, I think it is the the quote-unquote powers to be, whether you're talking about the board, you're talking about donors, whoever it may be, whoever has their hand in the cookie jar right now and in the future with Auburn coaching, they absolutely have a vote, and they absolutely are speaking for Auburn fans. Now, do they do it? Do they are they speaking directly from Auburn fans and what Auburn fans want? No, I don't think so because they've shown that's not the case at times. But they have the control and they're eventually they didn't do it this past time, but eventually they're going to get who they want to get, and we're just going to have to see and, and wait and see who that is. I think when you talk about Malzahn, you have to mention the fact that with programs like Auburn, with programs around the country, the one thing, the most dangerous thing, is apathy is apathy, and you were coming off seven straight years of at least four losses. And even in 2017, when you show a flash that, hey, you might be getting back up to the top, you fall right back down immediately after that. And so I think that that is as much of a thing for for why people moved on from, from Malzahn. And I don't... I don't necessarily hate that that decision because especially when you're when your coach on a six and four season during 2020, he steps up to the mic after the the Mississippi State game, and he when he says at Auburn, a place that wants to win that wants to compete for national championships, and he says six wins is a good year, you can't accept that, and that's that's as much why you moved on from Malzahn. And I don't mind moving on from Malzahn. I, I, I don't mind swinging for some for some sort of improvement. These coaching hires don't work out all the time. You're a 50% hit rate, basically. And so, look, it, it's not working out with Harson, but I don't I don't hate the move to move on from Malzahn. What Malzahn's doing at UCF is not that much better either. I just want to point that out as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. We're, we're, we're still 2-1. and one. The, the the schedule's not very favorable, but I'm excited to see um, what we can do from here and if, if there's a uh, sparks of fire underneath the coaching staff and the players. Um, thanks for the call, guys. Yeah, we appreciate you, Matthew. That's Matthew here on On the Line. Look, in, again, we're going to get into a lot of the details and the, the decisions and all of that of the Auburn-Pitt State game, but I like where he was going at the end, right? As crappy as Saturday was and as bad as it was, 41-12 to in your home stadium against Penn State, that's not good. Is the optimism high? Absolutely not. There's very, very little optimism right now around this Auburn football program. But I still think, and I will say this until either Auburn starts winning or Brian Harson is no longer the head coach, he is still the head coach. 
And there's still talent on this team. And there's still a way for Auburn to do something halfway decent this year. Is it going to be tough? Absolutely. And I said this on Friday too, did I not? Even if Auburn loses against Penn State, there's still a path for them to be somewhat successful in a tough schedule in a tough year. Brian Harson's still the coach. And there's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of trust issues with Auburn fans. I'm sure there's trust issues with the players right now. There's probably trust issues within the coaches themselves and what in the world happened on Saturday. But he's still the coach. And we're still Auburn faithful. We're still Auburn media. And if you're Auburn fans, you should still want Auburn to win. I don't want this to get where it got with Gus Malzahn near the end, where people and Auburn fans were cheering for Auburn to lose for him to get fired. I hate that. And I'm not going to stand for that. I don't like that. I'm not going to be here and sit here and say, well, at this point, we're 2-1. and one. You get dominated at home. You may as well just lose out and fire him and let's restart. I'm not going de- to be that guy because I don't want that for Auburn. I don't want that for any program. I don't think that's the correct way to do it because if you do that, the, the narrative that already stands with Auburn and being a head coach here that it's tough and, frankly, nobody wants to do it, That's only going to get worse. And so, in my opinion, still support him, still support the team, still support the program, but you can call for change in the game. And you can call for a change in how the game is called and played and what is happening on the field because there's no doubt that that is needed right now. Yeah, I mean, I I agree that things have to change. Like, you have to be able to make halftime adjustments. That's big, too. We'll get into that. You didn't do that, but... When I look at, I, I I know this team is two and one. I know uh, you saw John Samuel Schinker go on go on a different show and say that last year they were two and one when they got to and they got to six and two. Well, this year you look like you've taken a step back on the offensive line. The defensive line has absolutely taken a step back. They have underwhelmed. You had two first round draft picks coming into the year on the defensive line, and you're getting pushed around by Penn State, which is probably not going to be the most physical team you play this year. Oh, it won't be. And and when you look at this schedule right now, with the product that I have seen Auburn put on the field through three games, there are two teams that I can concretely say right now Auburn's better than Missouri and, and Missouri Washington State and or, uh, Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky, my bad. And even there. Missouri does have an offensive-minded guy, and right now Auburn can't score points, so that worries me. And then also Western Kentucky went to Bloomington and put and took it took an Indiana team all the way to the wire. Yes, they, they did. They can score. They scored a bunch last year, so both those games are all of a sudden shaky in my mind a little bit too now. Auburn was two and one at this point last year. Auburn's two and one at this point this year, but there's no doubt that it just feels different. And I think. Saturday is is a major reason and the first two games didn't help but Saturday definitely didn't help it just feels a little bit different and so that is why the confidence and the optimism around this program it's just not there right now we're going to get into more of this Auburn and Penn State reactions to the game reactions to what the program is right now the future of Brian Harson, and so much more come in and join us 334-321-1390 more of on the line when we come back On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. 
Back here on the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Let's head to the phone lines before we get to the question of the day, 334-321-1390. Terry, I would say happy Monday, but I just don't think it is, brother. So I'm just going to say Monday. How are you doing, man? Doing great, guys. How are you doing, Jacob? Uh, we're doing all right. Doing all right. Good. Good. Guys, um, that – you know, I'm not the kind of guy to say I told you so, but uh, I told you so. Yeah. <laughs> um, Terry, Terry, you have just, never struck me as somebody who would tell me I, uh, that, that, that you told me so. No, no, I, I, wouldn't, want, I wouldn't want that reputation, Carter. Um, doesn't it, shouldn't it bother Auburn fans that the two most superior guys in that stadium yesterday, uh, Saturday was the quarterback and the head coach? That's where the Penn State had the most decided. They had an advantage everywhere. But the two most, the two largest advantages were the quarterback and the head coach. Yeah, I mean, I mean you can you can make the argument that the offensive and defensive line is right there. With, I mean, Penn State had thirty six quarterback hurries to Auburn's five, and Auburn's D line got pushed around by that Penn State offensive line. You could say that as well. Yeah, see, I see what you're saying, Carter. I, like I said, I think Penn State was superior everywhere. But especially a quarterback and head coach, I, I think it was yeah. more evident there. Yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, you had you had a. a uh, what a fifth-year senior quarterback for Penn State who looks sixth like a year, fi- or a sixth-year, maybe ten-year, uh, however long he's been there, he looked like it on Saturday. And even after getting rocked, he re- he hopped right back up and, and played a great game. I was shocked, but I thought when when Papo laid him out and Papo laid him out, I thought that was going to be you were going to see a rattled uh, Clifford after that. But, but he never looked rattled the entire game, well, and the Penn State team never he didn't did either. Have to because they ran the ball. Right, they ran the ball, and that's and that's the key to Penn State's success this whole year but I I really when you talk about Auburn's quarterbacks at times I really thought TJ didn't play that bad I thought the problems were, were elsewhere on that offense it was with the play calling with the coaching with the offensive line than it was with TJ I agree I agree have you guys examined Sean Clifford's numbers over the past two years against Auburn he's what he's it's unbelievable He's 42 well, of, last year, 14, uh, 41 of 40, uh, 42 of 51 for like 450 yards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, picked, picked Auburn apart two years in a row. And I mean, there's, there's no excuse for it. There's really not. I don't know. I mean, you knew what you were getting into if you're Auburn, but yet you just let him do it anyway. Didn't he, didn't he credit his, like after the game, they interviewed him and he said, I mean, this one's not on me. It's on my running backs and offensive line after the game, because that's legitimately probably. who carried them on Saturday. I see, I could see a guy like yeah, I could see a guy like him hanging around the NFL as a backup for a number of years. I really could. Yeah, I mean he's he's one of those quarterbacks that you know what he reminds me of. He reminds me of the Alabama quarterbacks like your not to this extent, but your your Greg McElroy's, your AJ McCarron. They're not going to blow you away athletically, but they're super smart and they can play the quarterback position well. Not to that extent. I'm not saying that 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 Sean Clifford is Greg McElroy, but. That's what he reminds me of. See, I can see that, Terry. I, I mean, he'll go to the NFL. Is he going to be a starter? No. But I could maybe see him hanging around as a backup. Sure. Go ahead, Terry. You know who he reminds me of? Who? Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Garoppolo. Hmm. Because he's not, he's, he may not win for you, but he's sure a nice man. I'll tell you what, the San Francisco 49ers are glad this Monday morning Jimmy Garoppolo is still on that, still on that, that roster. Yeah. Oh, yeah and he, got, he got a payday yesterday, too. He made like... Four hundred thousand dollars or something for winning. Yeah, poor guy. <laughs> yeah, well, and, it's a tough life. He's the he's the starter for the rest of the season now because Trey Lance yeah. broke his ankle. 
Right. I, I just, I'm just, it's just disgusting what happened the other day because, as you guys said, you, 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 Jacob, you made the comment. You asked Brian Harson at Media Days, and he said, "Just watch." Well, when I watched Saturday, all I seen was confusion, a lack of togetherness, some selfish, and then a little bit of quit. And unfortunately, Terry, the entire country watched that, and that's what mm-hmm. that's what hurts. Is uh, this was the game. That everybody who was somebody was at this game on Saturday or watching this game on Saturday, and that there's no way around it. Auburn, Terry, we talked about this on Friday, right? How would we rather lose? Auburn get blown out or Auburn get beat on a, a game-winning field blowout goal? Blowout was the worst. Blowout the was worst the worst option, thing. and here we are. We're talking about a blowout loss on Monday. Well, let me ask you guys this. Is, is it getting to the point with Brian Harson that now it's, it's almost getting to the point where you can't turn back? It's, it's so far gone that they can't say, okay, well, Brian, we're just going to stick around with you after all. It, it seems it, it seems like it's getting to that point. I don't know if it's quite to that point. It depends. Honestly, it depends on how these next couple of games go. But it, I don't know. It seems like he he's obviously in a hole and he he's sinking faster than he can dig himself out. Terry, when you well, say when you say that they're going to stick with him, what what do you mean exactly? I'll give him a chance to finish out the year. Basically, I, I think the, the the powers that we know he's not the fit. He's just not. He's not. I didn't say he's a bad coach. I just don't think he's a very good fit. So so my thoughts here. Well, one, he's got to really he's got to stretch right here the next few games where if he doesn't handle business, there is that bye week in a few weeks, and that's Justin Hokinson said that some people are thinking that that might be when it, if a move is made, that might be when it happened. Uh, but I want to ask you this: Who on this staff would be the interim coach? A good point. I have no earthly idea. You're right. You're 100 right, Carter. And I'm sure, right? That that's the issue. That's the issue, and I'm and me too. And Terry, we're up against a break. I gotta let you go, man. We appreciate okay. the call. But and my okay. thing too is if okay, let's say that you get to the bye week and they end up firing Brian Harson. I just I'm not a fan of unless it is just an absolute disaster and it's the money best money decision, whatever. I'm not a huge fan of firing a coach in the middle of the season because. What does that really Auburn's never do? done it. Auburn's never done it. Exactly. And so what does that really do? I you, mean, you get to market faster and you can organize your search and do that. And you do get to market faster, but you're going to be looking for a coach regardless. Like Auburn's probably making some calls already. Let's just be honest. Who, who went to market first last year? Who? Auburn? USC. <laughs> USC. Know. And they went and got oh, yeah, exactly fair enough. who they yeah, wanted. Fair enough. And they took him from LSU. Oh, oh last LSU year. Wanted. Okay, last year. My last bad. year. Last year. USC got to market first, got organized, did it all under the cover of silence, and went and got the the number one target that we didn't even know was on the on the market. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm still just not a fan of firing a coach in the season. the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Well, taking a break from Auburn football conversation to welcome in our good buddy Joey Blackwell from Bama Central. Joey, Happy uh, happy Monday. It seems like the vibes are probably a little bit better in Tuscaloosa than they are in Auburn right now. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, probably an understatement. Uh, Alabama obviously had a really solid all-around game against ULM. That being said, they'll open up SEC play this weekend at Vanderbilt, before, or against Vanderbilt before 
a really tough road game at Arkansas. So things are things are looking good right now after that close Texas game, but uh, there's still a long way to go for this, uh, for this football team. Well, Joey, let's start talking about Alabama over the weekend, how uh, they did. They had a great all-around performance uh, against La Monroe. Tell us about what you saw, some takeaways from this game from Alabama in week three. Well, you know, the biggest thing that you know, everybody's talking about right now is special teams. Alabama had a phenomenal game on special teams. They, between all their punt returners, had 262 punt return yards, which is a new program record. The previous record was against was against Georgia all the way back to 1947. So that's a pretty long-standing record. But also a blocked punt return for a touchdown on defense. Will Anderson had an interception uh, that was returned for a touchdown, so a pick six. Um, Jameer Gibbs had one kickoff return that was for 57 yards. Our uh, Alabama's punter averaged 42 yards per punt. So just overall a very solid all-around game uh, for Alabama. It took their offense a little bit um, to get the ball rolling, but once they did, I mean, the final score was 63-7. to So can't really be upset by that score. Joey, uh, just looking at the numbers, it looks like Alabama's run game got back on track. Do you feel that, mm-hmm. that, that they are back on track and that they are ready to move forward as SEC play starts, starts I guess, this weekend for, for uh, Alabama? As a committee, I think they got their back on track. But as, you know, but as I've been saying the past couple of weeks here, there still has to be that primary bell cow that emerges, and that just hasn't happened for the Alabama running backs yet. You know, Roydell Williams led the pack this, this past week with eight uh, rushes for 58 yards and uh, a touchdown. Um, but besides that, you know, you had Jamarian Miller with four rushes for 51 yards. All, all most most of the running backs were between the 40 and, and 58 mm. yards right there. But there's still nobody that's emerged as a clear number one guy. I mean, Jameer Gibbs obviously has played dynamically, but he's been mostly utilized um, in a, in, as a pass catching running back. His one touchdown was a, was a reception. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, while this, these running backs have definitely improved over the past three weeks, um, I'd like to see some more. Some, you know, some guys, some guys step up and have a have a number one guy there in the backfield. When you look at the Alabama receiving core, just looking at the numbers, I mean, J- Jameer Gibbs leads the team in receiving again. Have is there any movement there? Are we starting to see anybody emerge, or or, or are we going to finish this season and Jameer Gibbs is going to be the uh, le- the leading receiver for Alabama? <laughs> yeah, but that, that, at this rate, that might be the case. You know, uh, a lot of question marks. Uh, from last Saturday, or one of the big question marks was Jermaine Burton only having two targets, and he made one catch for 16 yards. So for somebody that was so highly touted in the offseason and a guy that was frequently referred to as Bryce Young's number one target or is going to be this year, we really haven't seen a lot from him. And that kind of goes for the rest of um, the wide receivers. I put it back to, you know, um, there's still a lot of shuffling going around because of the JoJo Earl injury, the Tyler Harrell injury. They'll be back within hopefully – the next three, four, five weeks here. And then I think we'll see Alabama start depending on the wide receivers a little bit more. But right now, with Tremaine being the primary guy, a lot of defenses are having to approach him with double coverage because they know he's the number one target. And that's also why we're starting to see the running backs and tight ends targeted a lot more than we saw last year. So um, good to see Cam Watu back. That, that definitely has helped Alabama over the past couple of weeks um, get a lot of, get some more receptions in the passing game. But in terms of wide receivers, yeah, it's a similar situation to the running backs where there really hasn't been, you know, one or two that have emerged above the rest. 
We're speaking with Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Joey, Alabama coming off of the scary win against Texas on the road. They come home and they dominate against UL Monroe. What are some of the major differences you saw between Alabama's performance against Texas versus Alabama's performance against UL Monroe? Well, the the two key things are special teams, which I won't go into because we already just elaborated on that. But the second thing is is defense. I saw a defense that communicated a lot better this past week. You saw Will Anderson, um, you know, have 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 five tackles and another sack. You know, you saw his interception for a pick six. You saw just a defense that communicated a lot better. You saw them be much more effective than they were against Texas. And I think ultimately that was that was probably the biggest improvement between those two games outside of the special teams. Um, like you said, the running backs were also more consistent. Um, while, albeit in a committee, they still did were effective. Um, Bryce Young kind of came out of his shell a little bit after that that game. Young did have two interceptions, so he wasn't perfect, um, but he was able to get the job done in most situations. So um, there's still, like I said at the top of the segment, there's still a long way to go for this team. There's still a lot of kinks that need to be ironed out, but. Um, you got to like the improvements that were made from week two to week three. And, Joey, through three weeks of this Alabama football season, what's your takeaways from, from the Crimson Tide? They've got a couple of easier wins. They do have the win on the road at Texas. I mean, what's the feel around the fan base right now as they prepare for Vanderbilt? You know, I think it's definitely a lot better um, than it was uh, ahead of or after the Texas game. Um as far as takeaways are concerned, in all three of Alabama's games, they really – well, I'll take that back, not the just that game. But against both Texas and Louisiana Monroe, we saw the offense really start out slowly, which is something that they're not going to be able to afford to do against SEC opponents. Maybe they can't against Vanderbilt, but against teams like Arkansas and Tennessee, um, they're gonna, it's going to be a struggle um, if you start out of the gate slow. So that's something that needs to be improved. And then on a positive note, I think the defense has really gotten better. There was a lot of talk about this defense heading into this season. And I think, you know, even with all the cornerback questions um, there and still haven't figured out a complete lineup for that yet, um, they've really done a a solid job. And right now, as far as yards per game, they're actually outpacing that legendary 2016 defense. So if they can keep that up, there's no telling what the limit is for for the defense. Joey, kind of looking across the state, how much are Alabama fans kind of keeping an eye on the (laughs) – Auburn situation. Let's 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 just call it that for right now. How much are Alabama fans paying attention to that? You know, I'd like to say that they don't really talk about it that much, but unfortunately, that's not the case. You know, a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of Alabama fans over the weekend were watching that Penn State game, and um, let's just say I think a lot of them <laughs> enjoyed it, um, which is unfortunate. But you know, this is an Auburn team that obviously you never want to lose at home, much less by that significant margin. Obviously, you know, the Brian Harson situation, I think a lot of fans find fascinating. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how that plays out with him um, over the next few weeks here um, with a tough Auburn schedule that they have. But obviously, you never, like I said, you never want to see uh, an opponent lose a, or a team lose at home. Um, but that being said, uh, it was, I, I, I struggle to find that the accurate words to describe that game. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, Joey, when I first brought you on the program and we started bringing you on as a weekly guest, 
the the statement that I made, and it's still true, is Auburn fans care what's happening in Tuscaloosa, and Alabama fans care about what's happening in Auburn. It's just a true statement. We may not like it, but it is a true statement. And so, um, uh, I mean, what what is your takeaway from what you saw? I'm sure you were keeping up with it a little bit, uh, Auburn and Penn State. Well, I mean, what's your takeaway from this entire situation going here across the state? Well, you know, I think Auburn has a, you know, just to put it bluntly, I think Auburn has a lot of work to be done. You know, I think their offensive line could really use, uh, it, it needs a lot of work. And we, it doesn't matter if you have Tank Bigsby, who is obviously fantastic. He's a dynamic playmaker. But it doesn't matter if you have him, if you have an offensive line that can't block for him. And it doesn't matter if you have TJ Finley, who's a, who's a really solid quarterback, if you don't have an offensive line that can block for him. Um, a question mark that I had from Dell curious about from the Auburn game was why, you know, like I said, Tank is one of the top running backs in the conference. Why you only hand him the ball nine times? Why he only gets 39 yards of rushing? That's a great um, question, Joey. He, yeah, exactly. And so I, 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 don't, I don't really like to question coaches because obviously coaches um, know a lot more about the game than I could ever know. Um, but, you know, it does raise some questions. Um, and so those are just some of my, you know, right off the top of the, my head some takeaways from this past weekend's game down on the plane. We're speaking with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Let's get into this matchup that Alabama has with Vanderbilt this weekend. It's at home, 6.30 kickoff on the SEC Network. Alabama, uh, I'm not sure if the line has dropped yet. If, if it has, I'm sure it's pretty big. But what is, what's the message from Nick Saban going into this game against Vanderbilt for Alabama? You know, I think what, what Nick Saban's asked so far is just for consistency. You know, last week we saw a very angry or fired up, should I say, Nick Saban talk about um, the lackadaisical nature of his players and how um, one of the big things was that, you know, they needed to have that hateful attitude, you know, regardless of who the opponent was. You know, you need to have players that are able to not not really see the opponent. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. You still practice and prepare the same way. Um, And I think that we saw that, and that was one of the big differences between week two and week three, um, I think that if they can maintain that mentality, which no doubt Saban is encouraging, they're going to do just fine uh, this week. But that has to be the message. I mean, I, I don't exactly have an ear inside the locker room or on the practice field, but from what I can assume and from what Nick Saban said today, practicing that and maintaining that staying power is really is really the big key um, heading into the week four. Joey, this, this Vanderbilt team, I guess, is – has had a little bit better start to their season than some people thought. They've already hit the actual uh, the over on their win total before we've we've left the uh, the month of of September. What what have you seen out of this Vanderbilt team? Some areas that may I'm not going to say make Alabama struggle fully, but like may give Alabama a little bit of trouble. And then what areas does Alabama need to work on going into this first SEC game? It's honestly pretty decent i guess warm up for the rest of the schedule as far as their strengths you know when it comes to vanderbilt you know they have a very experienced group returning on defense you know that helps with a few transfers but um the depth unfortunately for them is very very young but i think there's going to be growing pains but that being said i think this is a much better defense um than they had last year um and that could give alabama troubles you know i think the line you know you referenced the betting line i think that it's currently around 40 points which I think that's an overstatement. I think of that line for an SEC game, regardless of who the opponent is, I think that's a little wide, and that's because of defense. I think when one of the things that betters don't think about, they think of offense, but they don't really consider defense in scenarios like this when it's two SEC teams. We can't forget, Vanderbilt is a member of the SEC, and with that mm-hmm. comes about defense. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Alabama score a couple of touchdowns, maybe a couple of field goals, 
less than they normally would, and that'll that'll probably I've got the under on that spread, but. At the same time, I think that's going to be what gives Alabama maybe maybe a little bit of a bump in the road. Well, Joey, Alabama has Vanderbilt at home to uh, this Saturday night, six thirty on the SEC Network, and then they got to get ready to go on the road at Arkansas. A game you have said is a trap game on Alabama's schedule. We will talk to you <laughs> next. We'll talk to you next Monday about Alabama's uh, game against Vanderbilt, preparing for Arkansas. But we appreciate you coming on. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing with Bama Central, man. Absolutely, Jacob. Thank you so much for having me. If uh, anybody would like to follow uh, an Alabama reporter, they can find me on Twitter at Blackwell Sports, and we'll find all my work along with Mason Smith and Katie Windham and Christopher Walsh, all of our work at BamaCentral.com. Uh, we report not just on football, but we do basketball, baseball, softball, gymnastics, pretty much everything in between. So thank you so much for having me, Jacob. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, we appreciate having you on. We enjoyed it as well. That's Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, here on the Monday edition of On the Line, giving us everything we need to know about the Alabama Crimson Tide, what's going on in Tuscaloosa as they come off a win against UL Monroe. They looked a lot better, of course, than they did in Week 2, and uh, now they get ready for their SEC opener against Vanderbilt. Auburn gets ready for their SEC opener. Uh, everybody around the Southeastern Conference getting cranked up this week. So we'll see what Alabama can do. Obviously, don't think a win is in question against Vanderbilt, but you hear this all the time about from Nick Saban in Alabama practice, and Joey talked about it. Practice like it's playing. Practice like you're playing Auburn. Practice like you're playing LSU, even if you're not. Right. So uh, that's just one of the things that makes Nick Saban and Alabama so good over the years. And and they do have Arkansas next week, so you got to get ready for that game. And you have an Arkansas team that'll be coming off a Texas A&M game this weekend, a neutral site game over there in Arlington, Jerry World. I think it'll be. It'll be interesting to see how Arkansas performs this weekend against its first SEC, well, second SEC opponent, but first significant test in the SEC West and how they bounce back going into that Alabama game. After not playing so great over the weekend, Arkansas <laughs> didn't look great. I, mean, I told you it's the most fun SEC game to watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they look, they won. They didn't look great, but they did. So we'll see how it goes. Alabama plays Vanderbilt on Saturday. Again, 630 on the SEC Network. Big thank you to Joey Blackwell from Bama Central joining us here on the Monday edition of On the Line. We'll take our final break in hour number one. We'll come back and wrap it up with some Atlanta Braves talk here on this Monday afternoon. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Open Like a Sports Leader. Big thank you to Joey Blackwell for joining us every Monday here on the show. Talking all things Alabama football. We'll get into basketball when that season comes around as well. So big thank you again to Joey Blackwell from Bama Central. Uh, no Jacob Hillman in the second hour. He is uh, he's out today, so we will not be talking to him. We'll get back with him uh, next week here on Monday. But we got a few more minutes in this first hour and Carter let's take a break from football for just a second let's talk some Atlanta Braves because the season is coming down to the wire my friend and the Braves over the weekend I mean you know was it terrible wasn't bad I mean I think overall I mean you, you did what you needed to do but yet the problem is the Mets are winning too well, I mean, you 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 sweep the Phillies, right? I mean, that's... Right, but the problem is the Mets are winning, and I what and I say that because the Braves in the games like two weeks ago and over the last two weeks, 
you didn't take advantage of when you had the chance to beat and take over the Mets, right? You sweep the Philly. That's great. I mean, that's awesome. But you're still struggling to hang in there because you just feel like you can't make up any ground right now. Yeah, well, you do go into a series right now where where the Mets do play a a Brewers team that is fighting for its playoff lives and is a little bit better than than the uh, Nationals. The uh, Nationals are one of the worst teams in baseball. So if you're going to make up some ground, this is a great spot to do it if you're the Atlanta Braves. And I think uh, you got to be encouraged by the way the team is playing. you got to be encouraged by the fact that Ozzy Albies is back. Uh, you're you're getting kind of production up and down the lineup. Um, you've got Robbie Grossman continuing to produce, uh, Michael Harris, Acuna. Everybody's involved. Uh, Contreras. I mean, it's. I like the way this team has bounced back from a tough road stretch, where where they what they dropped four out of five in Seattle and. Uh, and in San Francisco, well, you bounce back, you come back home, and you get a series sweep against a pretty good Phillies team. I certainly like the way that things are progressing because you go into this national series at home where you should be able to maintain that momentum. And then you got that big four-game stretch in Philly where you need you need to go there and win that series. You need to take three out of four. You need to keep the pressure on the Mets and see if they want to want to kind of crumble down down the stretch here the way that we've become so accustomed to with Mets with these Mets teams. I've been calling for it. I'm waiting on it to happen. There's still time for the Mets to blow it. I, I'm waiting on that to happen. But the Braves over the weekend, they sweep Philly, coming off of losing four out of their last five on the road out west, uh, two to Seattle and two to San Francisco. But yeah, you come home and you sweep the Phillies. That's fantastic. Now you've got three games at home against the Nationals. You got to take care of business there. Then you go on the road, you play these same two squads, Philly, and Washington, and then again, there's that series against the New York Mets at home, three games on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's next weekend. Uh, isn't that crazy? That's next weekend that the season is yeah. coming to an end. Uh, it's just time's flying right now. I mean, we're three-fourths of the way through September already. So it, the Mets and the Braves are going to come down, and it, they're on a collision course for that series to be the deciding factor on who wins the division. The Braves, you've got a chance to take care of business and get some some make up some ground and take a lead in this series or in this in this um in this race. You got to be able to do it. Yeah, and I think you have to capitalize on this series right now. You're playing the team with the worst record in the NL and the Mets are having are playing a Brewers team that is just two games out of that third wild wild card spot in the NL. So they have everything to play for, while the Nationals don't. So you would expect, you would expect to see the Braves be able to handle this Mets team, especially at home, and maybe that Brewers team put up a little bit of a fight, and and especially with it being in Milwaukee, right? Uh, maybe make it a little tough on this Mets team to win that series, and maybe you make up a game or two, and and that's. That's all you need. Is I I really feel like this Braves team, the way that it's playing, it's played the back half of this year. If they can just get that lead, and and I I know they did it for a, for a day, <laughs> for a day, yeah. If they get that lead back, I think they're playing better ball than the Mets, and they will keep it. And the Mets will find a way to falter down the stretch because they look they're going to be on the road for the next week. They, granted, they go play a bad Oakland team, but but this is a time period 
where you have to take advantage. Look, the Mets got swept by the Cubs. They turn around and they sweep Pittsburgh in four games. So you got to give credit where credit's due. Braves and the Mets on a collision course in the National League. Hour number one, officially in the books. Come back for hour number two. We're going to have a lot more Auburn football conversation when we come back. on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line. You're on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this Monday afternoon. Hour number one officially in the books. That means hour number two is officially underway right here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. We talked to Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central in the first hour uh, about all things Alabama football as they prepare for their game against Vanderbilt this upcoming Saturday. Carter and I got into the Auburn-Penn State game a little bit, but don't worry, we're going to talk a lot more about it in this second hour. But to start the hour, Brian Harson had his press conference his weekly Monday press conference today and uh, we were able to get a, we were able to listen to a little bit of it but in case you have not heard it yet we're going to play it for you right now uh, via Auburn Athletics so we're going to play Brian Harson's press conference because he had some interesting quotes and I think it is uh, it's worth a listen especially coming off of what we heard uh, or what we saw I should say on Saturday so this is Brian Harson's press conference today we'll come out of this we'll talk about it and some more of the Auburn Penn State game so this is Brian Harson's press conference earlier this afternoon uh, the energy the focus was where it needed to be uh, to come out there make some corrections and then get on to the next opponent flush the last game and and get ready for Missouri. Um, Missouri is a very good team. All right, they're two and one. Um, know some of the coaches on the staff. Have a relationship with Eli Drinkwitz, uh, Bush Hamden, and uh, Blake Baker, uh, who all worked for me at one point. Uh, Blake was the defensive coordinator at Miami for Manny Diaz. All right, there, so there's some connections there. Um, all really good coaches. Uh, great people and know a few other uh, support staff as well on their staff there. So uh, know they're going to be prepared, well-coached, ready to play. Uh, it's 11 a.m. game, so we're going to come in and uh, work on that throughout the week, just be ready to go early in the morning. And we got to show up Saturday and wake up, eat, uh, put our suits on, and then tiger walk, and away we go. Um, but overall, watching them, um, you know, you see a lot of things on the offensive side. They're creative. They they have a bunch of different formations. Uh, they move guys around. They try to create matchups. Um, so there's creativity on that side of the ball. Defensively, no different. Play hard. Um, still trying to win their matchups. Some one-on-one situations they're going to create. Um, they bring pressures, uh, but they do play hard. Special teams, uh, again, they got their better players out there, and those guys are um, giving themselves a chance to make some plays. So. Uh, overall, just you know, very quality football team. <clears throat> uh, don't know where they're going to be at necessarily in their prep, and our focus really comes to us. 
and what we have to do and the things that we've got to make sure that we focus on to get better this week. And, um, and we'll do that. And I think the guys, you know, they're excited to get back to work. And Tuesday practice will be a big one for us just to get a majority of our game plan in and, and get ourselves refocused on what we have to do this week to be a better football team and, uh, and play against a good one. It's SEC play. All right, and the goal is to be 1-0. and So with that, questions? <clears throat> no score dictated a lot of the second half, but first half still threw it. I mean, twice as much as ran it. Is, is it important to to kind of give more credence to that run game and try to establish that early in the game, especially? Yeah, I mean, we want to run the football, but you know, every game is different. You know, you guys don't sit in the in the meetings and all that and and look at the game plan and what they're trying to do too. I mean, there's really very little understanding of what their defense was trying to get done as well. So that dictates the the game. All right, we can run into nine, ten guys sometimes if we need to. But um, you know, our coaches—that's why—that's why we put together game plans. And um, you know, you, you have your openers, you have your plays that you want to hit in the first half, and that's exactly what you know we tried to do. And if we execute some of those plays, it's going to look a lot different at the end of the day. Um, Brian, you got a really talented freshman receiver in Luther. <clears throat> yeah, he's really good. What do you sort of? you mix up looks for him? Is it just a matter of sort of improving those one-on-one <laughs> yeah. matchups? Yeah, yeah, you try to do it all for that guy, right? Mix it up, play man coverage. I mean, at some point, someone's got to match up on him, right? And I think that that's the one thing, you know, that's a challenge for us is you got to match up on a guy sometimes. you got to cover one-on-one. You can only get in the zone so often. But, yeah, I mean, it's a mixture of defenses too. I mean, that's, that's one of the things. He's one of the players on their side of the ball that we have to try to slow down. All right, so it's one guy. And, you know, they've got others that they can utilize, too, a lot of other personnel. And that's, that's football. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. You've got to be able to go against everybody um, that you're facing, and you've got to be able to execute your assignments. And we're really at that stage. Just We've got to execute and do our job. Um, but he's a good player, so we've got to know where he's at. They're trying to get him to football. We've seen that. They do a good job of that. They will find creative ways to get the ball in his hands. And, you know, when they do, we've got to be in position to help make play or surround him and make plays on the ball. Who assessed the mental issues on the team? Check. All right, but that was a question he was asked. He was asked about some of the, ment- the mental lapses throughout the game, just the errors throughout the game. And he, he yeah, so it's not a mental. It's you're you're asking. It's did we make a mistake on the play? All right, it's not necessarily the mentality of the team, is what you're asking, right? So yeah, I mean there was there was mess ups. All right, there were things that we didn't do correctly. Um, that's the execution piece. That's the part. You know that you talk about where I talk about where execution is the key, right? If you got to be in a gap, you're in a gap. If you have to cover a man, you cover a man. If you have to run the right route, you run you run the right route. I mean that's that's not really anything to do with the mentality. That's that's simply executing the job you're supposed to do. There's 11 guys and they all have an assignment, and I think that we're not assignment sound. That's an issue. Um, you know mentally. You know, it's really nothing to do with rah-rah and, and things like that. I mean, all that stuff is, is there. The urgency, the energy, things like that. I mean, that happens in practice. That's all there. Um, you know, and speeches and all that stuff. That's not going to change the fact that a guy runs the wrong route. It's not going to change the fact that a guy's in the wrong gap. I mean, it's pretty matter of fact, and that's what I shared with the team. Football is pretty matter of fact. you got 11 guys out there. you got assignments. you got to do your job. 
And, and when you don't do that and somebody exposes you on that, then things happen, all right? And you wonder why um, a big play or they rip off a big run or we don't have somebody in the flat when a quarterback's rolling out. You know, I mean, that wasn't designed that way. And so if we execute what's designed, we have a better shot of, of executing our plays, all right? And they're going to work better. At least we give ourselves a chance. So to me, that's really what it is. It's about execution. It's not so much about mentality and, um, and all those things that, that create the drama. It's really just matter of fact. Run the route, be in the gap, do your job. Um, that's really what it comes down to, and that's the message that I've tried to send to our players and keep it very simple from that standpoint because we want to make it bigger than what it really is. If we do it all right, there's emotion that comes with that when you're executing what you're supposed to do. Then you get to play with that energy and emotion that, that makes you a good player. But you got to be able to do your part first. Brian. Yes, Brian Matthews, on sports.com. Uh, Coach, when you looked at the film, your offensive line, how did you uh, grade them out or felt they performed? <clears throat> how are you going to make any changes there as far as uh, personnel or how you coach them? Um, yeah, not that I would tell you right now. I mean, we'll look at practice. We'll let guys compete. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the beauty of it, too. I mean, guys are still competing. This is not a set team. I don't think any team, like, there's a few teams, take that back. There's a few teams that are set. Um, that I've seen that are pretty good. Um, but they got guys that want to play. You got to let guys compete. And we didn't play up to our standard or what I thought we were capable of doing. So um, some of that was us, some of that was Penn State. You know, sometimes you get in a one on one matchup, you just get whooped. So what, what is that? It's a fundamental, you know, correction that you got to make. You know, is it a scheme correction or is it just a pure fundamental physical correction? Uh, those are things that we assessed, and it's a little bit of both. So that's what you work on in practice. You know, you're going to go out there and you're going to work on scheme or you're going to go out there and you're going to punch the bag for a while, right? I mean, really just getting better at, at the one-on-one -on -one situation. So it was a combination of both things, and we will identify. We, we, we've identified that. We'll work on it this week, and then we'll let guys compete on the old line, get the best five out there. Rob, you're doing as well as possible today. Um, what are some things you would say the team has done well through these three games, and how can you build on that today? <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of things that we've done well that I've seen. And, again, you guys get to see a very small portion of what we do. You get to see the game, which is the most important thing, right? That's At the end of the week, that's the test. You guys get to watch the test. Um, all the prep and all those things that we've been doing, I think there's some really good things that we've done. Um, I think there's still a lot of – there's a long ways to go when it just comes to what we focus on. I think that's the biggest thing. All right, where our focus goes, all right, what's important, what matters. I think that has to continue to be something that we address. Um, but guys have gotten better in those areas. We're still just not there yet to raise that standard where we need to be and, and to put in, you know, the, really the work each and every day to get to Saturday so that we don't have some of the mistakes that we made because it matters on Tuesday. Tuesday matters for Saturday, all right, and so on. But... I think a lot of guys have handled that well. I think some guys are still working through it. Um, but we got to get there as a team. You know, it's nine guys doing their part and two are not. That affects you, right? Because those two, I mean, they might, might be point of attack guys. And then you're wondering why something happened. Well, you know, we weren't in the right spot or didn't do what we needed to do. Um, or we got to coach it better, too. I mean, that's, you look at that, too. If we're doing it right and it's wrong, then we got to fix it as coaches. But I think the team has handled. Uh, each game, and even even after Penn State, you know that was disappointing. Everybody felt that they came out on Sunday, and I've said this: you know, players don't hang on to this stuff as long as we do. 
they got practice, they got individual, they got a condition, they got to get on to what's next. And I thought they did that. There was urgency. They were moving around. I mean, I think there was a, a sense of like, you know what, that wasn't, that wasn't good enough. And I think guys were pissed. And you could feel that. All right, I can handle that. I can, I can handle somebody. We, when we make a mistake or we don't have a performance, if you come back and you want to work and you want to improve it and you don't want that to happen again and your, your attitude shows that, I'm good with that. If it's, it doesn't matter, I'm not good with that. I think guys, I think guys really showed that on Sunday. In the game on Saturday, we saw T.J. Finley clutch at his shoulder a little bit. Robbie Ashford even looked like he was wincing at certain times. What's the health of those two guys going into week three? Yeah, they're good. They're good. I mean, that's, I think they weren't the only two, right, on either side of the ball. I mean, there's guys laying, I mean, it's football, right? Guys get up, and um, but those guys are good. Those guys are go, good going into this week. Brian, how difficult is it, I guess, to, to evaluate your quarterback when, like in the first half, T.J. Finley, and then in the second half with Robbie, where, like you said, y'all behind, you need to throw the ball. Yep. Does that make it difficult for y'all to assess them, or how, how can you sort of find an even plane in terms of going? Yeah, I don't, it doesn't make it difficult to assess. I mean, the situation's difficult, but you just watch, um, watch the plays, watch how they execute them, watch the, um, the operation and all that. I mean, it's still, you can evaluate that. Um, so sometimes you're getting in the last, you know, final few minutes of the game and, and you're trying to do some things maybe crazy to get back into it. You know, that's hard because you're trying to make plays. And we still had time. If you think about it, halftime, I mean, it's, it's 14 to 6. So, um, you know, and that's just something we learned from. But we're, we're on to Missouri and we, we've taken that information from this game. We've applied it. All right, we're on to the next thing and, and uh, we'll learn from that. And I think you know, we get in those same situations, we'll be better, hopefully better in, in some of those moments when we come get back in those situations again. Coach, coming off a loss Saturday, and then when you look ahead to the SEC meet of the schedule, you guys coming up the next month, would you categorize this Saturday night as a must win? I would categorize every Saturday as a must win. Yeah, I don't really have an answer for you there. Yes, all right, and anytime you ask me that from this point on, yes. All right, it's a must win. I mean, that's, that's why we do what we do, right? I, I don't think there's a game I've ever told anybody like, hey, guys, we lose this one, we'll be all right. We'll get on the next one. <laughs> all right, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm being serious. I know what you're asking. All right, but, yeah, I mean, every single game, that's, that's what you do. And it's things like that. I mean, that's the stuff. Like, for me, I know what the answer is. And, and what's hard is sometimes the guys that sit in this room, they hear that stuff too. All right, it's always that way. I mean, that should be the mindset. Yeah, we'll see. Like I said, we'll we'll let guys compete this week. Um, um, it's Monday. You know, we haven't decided that what we're going to do um, through the week of practice. That'll be decided. But we'll let guys compete, and we'll put the best guys out there on Saturday to to go play. So, so for clarification, saying you technically don't have a starting name for. For clarification, what I just told you is what I'm saying. I don't mean to understand. That's yeah, I answered it. Okay. Yeah, Brian Matthews, AllSports.com. Um, defensively, uh, you weren't credited with any sacks or quarterback carries according to all the stats. Right. Um, but what I could see, maybe 
brought more than four, three or four times. Um, would you like to see the defense be more aggressive, or are you pleased with that result? No, I'm not pleased with that result. Yeah, I mean, no sacks. Um, yeah, you got to be able. Now they, you know, teams get the ball out, but uh, yeah, you want to put pressure on the quarterback. You want to hit the quarterback. You want to get to him. Um, and I think we have guys that should be able to do that. So, you know, that's going to create hopefully some opportunities for us. All right, to create some negative plays and, and maybe get the offense behind the chain. So, no, I don't think there's anything, you know, in that question right there. Am I am I happy with that? Whatsoever. I don't think the defense is happy. I don't think anybody on the D line is happy or any linebacker that blitzed. I don't think there's anybody out there going like, yeah, we came out with no sacks. We're good. So that's uh that that's part of it though. But it's it's one thing to want to and one thing to get it done, right? And that's that's really what it comes down to. We want to do these things. Well, then we gotta find a way to make it happen. And if that's coaching scheme, player, whatever, that's part of the execution. You know, if we're coming after a guy, we got to go get him. John. Uh, John's Associated Press. From a physical standpoint, is, is that because is he healthy? Is it just the other guys are, are better in practice, or is he still not 100%? Um, you know something I don't? I don't know yeah. No, I mean, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's competed like everybody else. Um, and those guys, you know, every single week, I mean, those guys get opportunities. And we try to play the best players, you know, and again, that's that's what happens from Sunday through Friday. That was Brian Harson's press conference today after the 41 to 12 loss to Penn State. Three, three, four, three, two, one, 1390. We want to hear your reactions. Carter and I will break it down on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Open, like a sports leader. Well, Carter, we we knew it was a, a heated press conference based off of the quotes we saw on Twitter, but after the... After listening to the replay of Brian Harson's press conference earlier this afternoon after the 41-12 Penn State loss, it, uh, it, it was heated. There's no doubt about that. It was heated. And, uh, and Auburn, and look, Brian Harson, Brian Harson, he was hot. And he, was, he seemed coming. And almost like he was coming off very, very, very defensive. Defensive and combative is what I would say. Yeah. Is what I would say. Like, just some of his initial reactions to questions mm-hmm. and and like just his back and forths with the members of the media who it's their job to to ask these questions and they're not doing it from from a place of of malice because they're they're all taught a lot of them don't even have true i guess auburn ties mm-hmm. they're like they're just working on the beat uh and then some of them i mean it's just they're always taught to just be neutral about it uh, when, when you're asking questions and I thought some of his answers were were indicative of somebody who is who is feeling the pressure and might be maybe some some cracks are starting to form some frustration is starting to show because let's be honest right now Brian Harson has never had his his qualifications his resolve, all of these things tested the way that it's being tested right now. 
because he's never what he's never been fired yeah. and and things are there i mean buzz is mounting it's building oh, it's, building it's building. more than it's more than building it's, it's here man and it's a matter like he has to go on a run here otherwise the dam's going to break yeah, and, and if the dam breaks, like, well, look, I don't know what this is going to look like. Here's what it comes down to. Brian Harson feels the pressure. He feels it right yeah. now. I mean, it, yeah. it is as high as it has been since February when there was a day in February where there was a, a 90% feel that Brian Harson was going to lose his job that day. I remember it. I remember oh, yeah. talking to people. I remember hearing things. Friday. and It was a Friday. Yeah, and I remember coming on this show thinking he was going to be fired, and then he survived, right? And so from from that point until now, it's been, it's been a, a total process of rebuilding, revamping, and sunshine pumping, if you will, from Brian Harson in this program, and that's exactly what he needed to do. Right, Brian Harson between February and on Saturday, or I guess to the start of the season, you could say. Well, I, I mean, I would I would say all the way until kickoff. Like everything had kickoff Saturday. Like I think everything he had done the things that you would want right. him to do from that point to to kind of try to get things back on track. Granted, exactly. Granted, recruiting was still going very very poorly. Right, recruiting was not where you wanted it to be, but. Saturday had your you had yourself teed up to hit a five hundred yard drive down the fairway and you shanked it in the woods fifty yards to the right and so here's the problem or here's what we know I should say like I was saying from February until really the beginning of the season because the first two games weren't good anyway from February to the first two games after Brian Harson survived after he made it through the the crazy debacle that they tried to get him fired he did exactly what you wanted him to do he talked up his program he talked up his players they had hype videos going out he had a podcast with coaches he was doing everything you would want him to do coming out of that situation and then the message we heard all offseason was watch us we're doing the work we're putting in the grind we're doing the things right we're doing them the right way just watch us. The results will show for themselves on the field. Well, and they did. We're three games in, and we're all left sitting here thinking, "Is this it? Is there is there any point in these three games where you have felt like, you know what, this team looks like it has improved? It looks sharp. It looks well coached. It looks disciplined. No, not I mean, at all. You you have six year seniors on Saturday." Taking cheap shots at Penn State players and getting personal foul on sportsmanlike conduct penalties in big spots. That's that's the most concerning thing to me. The discipline's not there. You're not executing the plays. The game plan's not there. Dumb penalties. All of that stuff. Careless with the football. All the stuff that needs to be coached out. It's still showing up, and it's showing up more than it was last year. And those are the things that we thought Brian Harson, even if it took him a little bit to get going at Auburn, to get some wins, to get some players in there, those are the types of things we thought that Brian Harson, the head coach, would be able to fix. And it's I'm not saying that he can't, but through three games, I'm he hasn't he, we, he hasn't proven it through three games with the guys that are on this roster. Let's head back to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on the line, man. Welcome in. Hey guys, hey! I want to just echo everything you just said. That that was you know spot on, and it, it, we were promised 
amongst everything else, you know, that we got with Brian Harson, we were going to get a well-coached, you know, disciplined football team. And it, we can't even get that. Uh, you know, he can't recruit. He, he has no imagination and uh, offense. He, he, uh, but I just wanted to, my opinion on, on getting rid of it is do it ASAP. Mm-hmm. Because because other good coaches and staff members for, that are going to be grabbed up by, you know, it's not only a head coach. There's some good assistants out there. And if you're, and whoever you, given them, give them the benefit of time. Now, we know that Brian Harson is not it. And it, 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 and the future looks worse than it did when he got here. And it, it, when it comes to recruiting, you know, you have to do better. And I don't think there's anybody in position of power at Auburn that intends to let Brian Harson open up that new facility. I just I don't believe that. I think he's embarrassed the university. And I, 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 for one, I don't have any pity on him because, to me, he and, – and, and, and you read – a lot of the quotes, he's blaming the players more yeah, than Yeah, yeah, Ed, Ed, I, yeah, Ed. I 100% agree with all of that. I think he's mm-hmm. he's showing you, and I made the comparison in the first hour, I mean, we've we've now pulled pulled back the curtain. It's it's the Wizard of Oz here. He's not he's not what we thought he was, and I think he's shown that because there's a lack of toughness, a lack of physicality, fourth and one mindset. Throw it in the trash right now because you're not yeah. seeing it translate on the field. You're seeing undisciplined play, bad game plans, lack of ability to adjust. But Ed, my question for you is, if you move on right now, if you because you said move on ASAP. Who's, who is the interim coach? Because both your coordinators right now are Brian Harson guys from Boise. Like, who who is currently? Who do you trust right now to be the interim coach? I put Zach in charge. That, that's a tough ask for a guy whose whose highest position is a young guy. I, I, hey, he can't he can't do nothing worse than than what he uh, you know fair. Uh, you know what I mean? He can't make us any worse. Or put uh, who's our O line coach or get I, just friend. anybody? Uh, mm-hmm. Will friend put Will friend? Uh, yeah, you know, he's a good guy. Yeah. I mean that's that's one argument I you can't do much anybody, worse. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody could. I, I don't think uh, you know. But Warrior guys, I, I I just to me you've got to get ahead of it. But football has changed. You know, it's not like in the. And if 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 Harson has, you know, it, it was on the end of his career, and he'd given Auburn, you know, a few good years, then absolutely let him finish his term. It's been an absolute nightmare. So uh, if I was Auburn, I, it, I wouldn't even wait to hire. I, I don't think the next AD is really going to hire the next coach, and that was an old thing that used to happen, but. I just think move on. But anyway, guys, more eagle. Yeah, we appreciate, appreciate the call, Ed. That's Ed here on the line. Look, he he makes some some valid points, right? He he is he's in the field of fire him and get rid of him now and just move on from from this experiment that 
I'm trying not to jump on on the on the on the boat of this is 100% completely in the trash and we just need to fully move on. It, it's getting there. Believe so, me, it, but, it is getting there. I'm just trying not to get there right now. I want you to tell me what what's the path? What's the path back from this lost Saturday? What's the path that Brian Harson can regain enough support? Where he's the head coach in 2023. Tell, it, to tell me that. It's tough. You're going to have to win games you're not supposed to win. Yeah, like you're you're, you're going to have to beat Missouri and LSU, which right now I think LSU's a better team than you because they're improving, and right now you're going backwards. Right. I mean, yeah, you got to beat Missouri, LSU. Uh, <laughs> Georgia, I mean, Georgia ain't happening. Don't even, we, it's not even a, but we said that before the season, yeah. so let's not <laughs> jump on it right now and say, I'm oh, well. Down. It, I'm doubling down. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> we said that before the season, so I'm not trying to say, well, yeah. because of these three games, we're not going to beat Georgia. We weren't going to beat Georgia anyway, but Ole for Miss Auburn. Ole Miss looks good right now. Ole Miss looks good. Uh, I just, I don't know, man. Uh, again, I'm not trying to jump on this 100%, but it's getting pretty close. We're going to talk a whole lot more about Auburn and the future of Brian Harson When we come back, we'd love for you to join us. 334-321-1390. More of On the Line when we come back. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. We normally talk to Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. He is out this week. Uh, we will pick back up with him next week on the Monday edition of On the Line next week. But Carter, let's continue talking about this Auburn-Penn State game and just what's going on because the feeling right now is the sky is falling. Is that That's the feeling right now for Auburn. And we'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. And I was saying before we went to break, as much as people are just hopping on basically hopping off the bus and saying yeah we're 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 done with this we're tired of this this experiment has officially failed the volcano is erupting right now it's not quite spewing on the floor but it's like going towards the edge of the table and once it falls off then you're done i think it's it's getting pretty nasty right now for auburn and brian harson in this entire experiment that really has been shaky since the start and I, I want to hold off on the coaching change conversation and the the potential replacements, all of that stuff. We yeah. have the rest of the week to get into stuff like that. But the game itself between Auburn and Penn State, let's start with what you want to do, offense or defense first? We're, we're going to break them both down. Let's just talk first half, second half, because that's what the game was. Right, I agree. 14-6 to six at the half, you're feeling okay. You're, you're, if you're Auburn, you're like, well – more points would have been fine, but if you come out and play better in the second half, you have a great chance to win this game. Well, this is why, like, when I watched that Auburn team in the first two weeks and everybody everybody spit the stat out, like, oh, Auburn's 8-for-8 eight eight at scoring touchdowns when they get in, in the red zone. Against who? Against Mercer and San Jose State, not against good teams. And you can watch that offense. The red zone is where you have to be precise, you have to execute. You have to be sharp. You can't have penalties. You can't turn the ball over. And at no point this year has Auburn shown you that they can do any of that. And so it was a matter of time until Auburn ran into a good defense 
that was going to keep them from scoring. Which we knew we knew that was going to happen on Saturday. We knew Penn State was that team. It was the first good team they've played this year. We knew that Auburn had a challenge against Penn State, and they couldn't rise to the occasion. Yeah, and how funny is it that coming out of the first half, doesn't it feel like a Gus Malzahn thing? You can't trade touchdowns for field goals and win a big game. That, that was Gus Malzahn's Achilles heel. And you go to half down 14-6 to six, where you kicked two field goals rather than scoring two touchdowns and the other team scored two touchdowns. But again, even at halftime, it was 14-6. to six, And again, you would have rather those been touchdowns, but yeah. you're, you're feeling... You're still in the game. Exactly. And you're feeling okay, right? You're not... You're not like you weren't losing by 30 at the half, right? You're right. This this was you're at halftime, you're down 14-6 and the mindset and thought process is at least for me and I think a lot of people would agree is okay, didn't play great, but we're at home. If you come out and play better, move the football, you get the ball to start the second half. Let's go and do something, play a little bit better. You're going to be in this ball game. It's going to be a fight. Let's see if we can win this game, yeah. but that didn't happen. I want to ask you who is the best player on Auburn's offense right now? I mean, I would like to say Tank, but he only touched the ball nine times. So, yeah, it's Tank. It's Tank. And I think that we all can agree it's Tank. It's Jarquez probably second. But, yeah. But it's Tank. And after the game, Harson said that they got away from the run because they were down. Well, in the second quarter, I mean, halftime is a 14-6 game. You're still in it. How many times did Tank Bixby touch the ball in the second, or how many times did he run the ball in the second quarter? Zero. The only time he touched the ball was when Penn State's in, like, basically prevent, you drop mm-hmm. a screen pass off, and he makes a bunch of dudes miss and goes about 30, 40 yards. Right. No, he didn't run the ball once in the second quarter. That's atrocious. That's unacceptable. As an, as an offensive-minded head coach, with your offense coordinator that you picked for this role, for you not to get the best player on your offense the ball in the second quarter in a close game at the time, that's not acceptable. You cannot do that. And I don't I like it's it's dumbfounding. Yeah, I just I don't get it because going into the game, we talked about it, everybody knew it. Auburn's strength on offense was the run game. I mean, that is what Auburn... Auburn's going to have to run to win the game. They have to run. You have two of the best running backs in the entire Southeastern Conference. But yet, you get away from them? How do you get away from that? That that should not even be an option. Unless they are hurt and physically unable to play, getting away from the run with those two guys should not be an option. Like, especially with the quarterback situation that Auburn has right now, which is non-existent because... Yet again, we saw interceptions. Yet again, we saw turnovers. And yet again, you saw quarterbacks who cannot accurately throw the football or effectively run the offense and score points. And so why is the game plan anything else than run the football? I mean, look, we're not head coaches, right? And we talked to Joey Blackwell from Bama Central in the first hour, and he said, look, these coaches are going to know football better than we ever will. But surely... We can sit here and say, well, running the football should probably be option number one. You would think they would think that too, but obviously that wasn't the that wasn't the case on Saturday. And you like and when you got in the red zone, breakdowns on the offensive line prevented you from scoring. Misreads by the quarterback kept you from scoring. Quarterback hanging on to the ball too long kept you from from scoring. That third and third and goal play from the five where they threw the flat route to shed, which yep. let's be honest. 
Shed's probably seventh or eighth on the list of guys I want to get the ball in space five yards from the end zone and say, hey, you, you, you have to make a couple guys miss to score. I love Shed. I think Shed is very good in his role. But that's not that's, his role. <laughs> that, that, that's not what he does. That's not his role. If you go watch that play, one, there is a free runner in TJ Finley's face coming right by the center. Yep. Nobody gets a hand on him. That can't happen. And so in that spot, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Exactly, exactly. But if you pick that up at all, the read is not, is not. And if and I'm, I'm going to chalk it up to, to the offensive line breakdown, force TJ to get the ball out of his hands. If you pick that up at all, TJ can see that both corners, because you have Coy Moore and Shed lined up to the outside over there. Shed runs his little flat route, uh, and then you had... You had Coy run basically like a corner. Both corners drive on Shed before TJ starts his throwing motion. Right. Coy Moore is standing in the end zone with nobody around him. Right. But but your offensive line limits you. And then like I just I, I don't understand the game plan. I don't understand the fact that the offensive line is taking a step back, the defensive line is taking a step back. I mean, well, like, I don't know what this team is. Yeah, and, and, and again, that's not a play that you can expect or ask T.J. Finley to make. With somebody running straight at him from snap, I mean, you can't expect now, him to make that play. Also, we haven't even talked about it yet, and it needs to be talked about. Let's talk about the interception. Yeah. Let's talk about the interception. Yeah. Because one, on that play, Penn State is showing that they're going to bring more guys than you have blockers. So right off the bat, you should know you have to get the ball out of your hand one way or the other. Or making a pre-snap and adjustment or apparently, something. Apparently... Tavares Dawson run, runs the wrong route. So that's, that's a coaching thing. That's, that's We can't get our guys to do the right thing, and we had the wrong guys in the game in that moment. He runs the wrong route, so TJ has nowhere to throw the ball. Needs to throw it away, to be honest. But So he gets run down. He gets tackled while letting the ball go, throw, throws the pick. The worst part about it that shows how disorganized you are as a coaching staff on the sidelines is the game clock. Hits zero before the snap. It's a reviewable play. They come back for the second quarter. Penn State has the ball. Gary Danielson and Brad Nessler are talking about it. They bring Gene Steratore in. Gene Steratore says, yes, that is a reviewable play. But not a soul on the Auburn sideline. Didn't even think about the, it. Had the foresight, was attentive enough to see, hey, that well, that snap never should have gotten off. You would have been able to wipe the interception off the board. Yep. You would have been able to... to Get more points. If you're even if you're kicking a field goal, doesn't matter. But they didn't even consider it from but, what but it looked like. You're not organized enough on the sidelines to figure that out. Yeah, that's pretty indicting to me. Yeah, and I think that's just sort of what what we saw all day on Saturday. I mean, from from kickoff at two thirty until the final buzzer sounded. I mean, it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that is what you saw from opening kick to the final whistle and I just don't it's just confusing and I think that's where that's where Auburn fans lie right now I think that's where the media lies right now I think that's where everybody around college football lies right now who watched the game on Saturday is what happened and where where is this program going have they gotten any better a lot of people would say no after Saturday and uh, there's just a lot of, of questioning of Brian Harson and this coaching staff. I think the trust has it, it's leaving pretty fast from this Auburn fan base. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'd love to hear from you and what you have to say about Auburn Penn State uh, about Brian Harson's press conference earlier. 
We played it back in uh, the beginning of this hour. It was it was something else. So look uh, again. I just don't know. I don't know where you go from here. And again, I talked about it earlier. I'm not ready to fully jump on fire Brian Hartson after three games in year two. But if it doesn't get better dr- drastically in the next two weeks, which I just don't see how that's going I mean, to happen, you, you can't fire him right now. But I just I don't see a path. Of him finishing the season, yeah, yeah, I know. But that's what I'm saying. If it doesn't get drastically better very, very, very quickly, then yeah, I I don't think he makes it through the season. By the way, I want to talk about something else because we talked about it last week leading up to the game. And I I told you that, that, that the only way it becomes a legitimate issue is if you come out and just lay a massive egg. But what what the social media teams did... By trolling the Auburn fan base, by trolling the Auburn fan base all week, and you can tell you can tell me social media engagement. I don't care. That's that's a bad excuse to troll your fan base the way you did. For what the orange jersey yeah, thing? I'm getting. I, let, let, let me get the whole picture out there. You do that. You don't do it. It's just an added layer, something extra, to make people mad. And then you don't have the guts when you lay an egg. To to put the final score graph to keep the final score graphic up there, you're you're gonna delete it. That's just cowardly, yeah. man. Yeah, that, that's cowardly. And and if you want to talk social media engagement, heck, you're gonna get more social media engagement on that graphic than anything that happened all week. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, like I just I think that that I, man, you you can't tell me people aren't upset about it. People are upset about it. That's pretty because. But about all the things to be upset about coming out of a forty-one to twelve well, blowout well, loss at home, a social fa- media post is not no, what no, I'm no, upset no. about. What, I, what, I mean, what, what I'm saying is you you added fuel to the fire. You built the hype. You built the hype, and then you came out and performed as bad as we've seen Auburn perform in a game where everybody yeah. thought everybody had a chance. Yeah, but at the same time, and I mean, that, the social and, media team doesn't have anything to do with that. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, that has nothing to do with the well, social they, media team. They, so They work for somebody. Well, yeah. They work but, for somebody. I mean, the, the guy behind his, his laptop on social media doesn't doesn't I, affect how TJ look, feel in the offense. Go, but I know what you're saying. I, I do. I know what you're saying. I you don't get think, everybody. I don't think you can just dismiss it. It's just an added layer to it. Yeah, That's what I'm it saying. is. People yeah. are mad about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, there are like, people that are frustrated. Everything about yeah. this was mishandled. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I agree. I agree. Let's head to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Dan, you're on the line. Welcome in, man. Hey guys, um, you know I think honestly, just our game plan on offense and defense just wasn't going to work. Okay, if you if you look at you take any game where you you end up with four turnovers and you have six sacks and I, I don't know how many tackles for loss, I, I mean you're going to lose. I, I, there's <laughs> you can, it's impossible to win against that. So why did that happen? Well, okay, well if if you go on offense and it takes so long to get the play in. And then, and then they're sitting there watching the clock count down to two seconds, one, and then we're hiking it. Well, you know, you don't have to worry about the guy going hut, hut. You know, it's like those guys are already, you know, ready just to take off. And then, of course, they're sending blitzes from different places. Now, on, when we play defense, we're running our, our base front four defense with our two defensive ends, and it's the exact same almost every single time. We only tried to blitz a couple times, but you've got to mix it up just to try to confuse that offense just so they know they can't just get comfortable. I mean, that's the best thing you do on defense. But – Going back to the offense, it's like if you know that your offensive line, you put them in a bad position anyway with, your, with the play call, waiting to the last second and all that, but then you don't call plays that help the quarterback out. You know, you've got to have stuff where the quarterback can just, just get rid of the ball quick. If he's standing back there waiting for stuff to develop and he's already got a guy in his face, he's going to lose. He's going to 
he's going to lose. Right. No. It, it, yeah, Dan, I agree. And we talked about that, I think, Thursday, Friday, whatever day it was. Coming into the game, you had to get some plays for TJ Finley to dump the ball off quickly, build confidence to where he doesn't have to stand back there and, and go through three or four reads because he can't do it. Let's just be honest. He is not that type of quarterback, and he doesn't have the offensive line to do it. Yeah, I mean, Tank is your most explosive guy. I mean, you threw it to him twice, and you had, you know, pretty good results. You should have thrown it to him ten times. If, if you know, we didn't throw any screen passes, really, you know, when we know they're blitzing every play or, or you know, they're coming from all different sides. And then, and then you, you know, you throw one pass to uh, uh, King, uh, Landon King, and he makes an incredible catch. And that was, a, that was a one-two, let it fly, just give your guy a chance, one-on-one. He makes a great catch. And I'm thinking, well, heck, you should probably throw that about ten more times. Agreed. You know? <laughs> and what do we do? He didn't even get a target the rest of the game. And I'm like going, well, I mean, golly, like, like that's a sports center highlight. What, what did Glennon King do in that Alabama game last year? You know, we give him a couple chances, he makes the most incredible catch ever. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean you, you got guys who can make plays in matchups like that. But right now, we're dropping back as if our line's going to be great and block everybody perfectly, and the quarterback's going to have time for everybody to do their 20-yard patterns and stuff yeah. and then and make a perfect throw. And look, when you ask what where is our team improved, I will tell you hands down, catching the ball, the coaching yeah. has drastically improved. We are making great catches. Our guys are catching it with their hands. Hey, I think I feel one area where coach. I feel good. I, I can't you know? it's a great coach, and I think he's – the best position coach hire that that since Brian Harson started the job, I'm going to say that he, he filled out the staff initially. But of the changes that have happened since since year one, that's the best change he's made, and it's and it's not close. But I 100 percent agree that you you hear so much you hear so much about Landon King all spring, and then you don't put him on the field hardly at all the first two weeks. You put him on the field, he look he's not a burner. He's not going to get wide open. But he's six foot five, has long limbs, and can jump. Throw him the ball, let him go get it on a 50-50 ball. He goes and makes a great catch, and then you don't give him the ball again. I don't get it. There's so many questions I have. There's so many You're on questions. the goal line, goal line, 10, 10-yard line, and we're going to try to run it in when, they, when they, obviously their defense was playing well. We weren't blocking good. Uh, you know, you're wasting plays. Heck, I'd rather throw three plays in the back of the end zone again. To land in or to our, to this, uh, our six seven tight end or just throw it up, give the guy a chance. I mean, you know, we're throwing it on the outside because we're we're hoping our guy's going to break a tackle or something. I don't know, but I mean, you know, if you throw it in the end zone, at least you have a shot if he catches it. It's a touchdown. Yeah. yeah, that's right. At least you got a chance. And Dan, look, hey, we're up against a break, so we got to get out of here. We appreciate the call, and and that's where that's where Auburn fans are confused is is those types of calls, those types of decisions. Uh, Dan, we appreciate the call. Let's take our final break of this first hour or this second hour. Excuse me. We'll come back and wrap up the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Open Like a Sports Leader. We've got a couple of minutes before we get out of here. It'll be after us. It'll be the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck right here on ESPN 106.7. Also, if you're up between the hours of 6 and 9 in the mornings, uh, I hosted it today. I'll be doing it tomorrow and Wednesday over on our one of our sister stations, News Talk WA&I. Uh, I'm hosting Auburn Open Like this morning. Ben Taylor is uh, out under the weather, so I'm hosting that show for the next 
couple of days. So if you're looking for something to listen to in the mornings from 6 to 9, you can tune over to 98.7 News Talk WANI and listen to me host Auburn Opelika this morning. So that's going on the next couple of days. I woke up at 5 a.m. and uh, it was early. I'm not going to lie. It was an early wake-up call. But we'll do it again tomorrow and on Wednesday. And then... Kind of just an update. We'll have the show the rest of the week. Carter, you and I will be at Macon East on Friday night. We'll be driving about 50 minutes or so from here, going to Macon East Academy as Lee Scott looks to go 5-0 and uh, for the season. So lots going on this week. Auburn High is at home, right, McKenzie? They're at home, Auburn High. Oh, they're on the road? Okay. All right, who do they play this week? Oh, they play Ramsey. Oh, that's right. That's right. They play Ramsey on the road this week. So we'll see how that goes. They get Opelika Opelika next week. Yeah, Opelika's next week. I'm I'm trying to remember if it was this week or next week. They play Ramsey on the road this week, and then they play Opelika at home next week. Auburn does over uh, at Auburn High. So lots going on over here at Auburn Network and in the Auburn area. But, Carter, we got a few more minutes here before we get out of here. And tomorrow we're going to have a discussion about Brian Harson and his his future because there's just no doubt that it is up in the air right now and uh tomorrow i want us to have the conversation of how long does he have what is it going to take for him to to stay at auburn what's the path for him to stay at auburn what's a realistic path and then ultimately who are some replacements and so that's sort of where we're going to go down this road uh the rest of this week but just before we get out of here your your final takeaways and just yeah, your takeaways from Auburn Penn State on Saturday. I think every bit of of momentum and goodwill and support that Brian Harson had built up from February to now. When you come out and look as sorry as that looked on Saturday, it's all gone. All bets are gone. All all bets are off. Like it's it's put up or shut up time. Like you got to win these next two. You got to win at Ole Miss. You got to win either Arkansas or A and M at home, maybe both, and then you might you might have to win at Mississippi State. And I just I think right now these other teams in this conference have shown that they are better than you. How do you get off the mat? How do you pick up the pieces? Because that was that was a complete and utter PR. Every, in every capacity, disaster. Disaster on the field, disaster in recruiting, disaster in the messaging around the program. Because you said just watch. And everybody in the country, and every recruit in the country, and every Auburn fan, well, they just watched. And it was ugly. And it was awful. And it's the worst I've seen an Auburn team perform at home since that 2012 Texas A&M game. Worse than a game where I thought they had a chance to compete since, what, 03 USC? And it might be worse than that. If there is any good that comes out of this, it's that it's week three. We're now going into week four. Auburn is still 2-1. and one. Auburn has chances in the next couple of weeks to get off the mat like you're talking about and try to pick up some wins before you get into a brutal, brutal SEC schedule. Are they going to do it? We're going to find out. And it's not going to be easy, but it is early, and so many changes have to be made. If you play like that the rest of the year, you may not win another football game besides who Western Kentucky, right? The thing we've learned and the thing we've heard from Brian Harson is just watch. He's a great coach. He's a fundamentals guy, and they're going to do things the right way. Well, so far, we haven't seen that. If he wants to prove it to Auburn fans and the Auburn 
fan base in the Auburn program. It's now or never for Brian Harson at Auburn University. That's it for the Monday edition of On the Line. We'll be back tomorrow talking more Auburn football and everything else. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.